All right, well, so welcome here on, uh, on our Sunday just before Christmas again. First time guests, we thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it, is, it is just an honor to have you here in this house and, uh, and to join us just before Christmas. I know there's a lot of hustle and bustle going on, uh, even just at our houses. You know, there's so many gifts to be wrapped and so many places to go and things to do and parties to attend and cakes and cider and eggnog. Am I just the only one? Or is no? Okay. And that was just this morning. You know what I'm saying? No. So I, I appreciate you spending time here with us today when I know you have so much to do because I am certain none of you have all of your Christmas shopping done, right? Everybody still have something to do today? Yes? A little more to do tomorrow, maybe? Even some on Tuesday? Yeah. All right. I know who you are. I used to be you. Uh, So, well, we are in the middle of a series called Socks and Underwear. This is actually the last day for it. And, uh, and it's been a great series. And what we've been talking about, socks and underwear is that kind of gift you get at Christmas time uh, that is like you don't really want this present, but you will use it, right? That's socks and underwear. And, or maybe you didn't expect this kind of gift, but you got it, you used it, you found the benefit of it, it's nice. Some of them, you know, you may get the wrong size, and that's, you know, hilarity can always ensue there. I don't know if you've ever seen a child running around in underwear that's just too small for them it's just it's just the funniest little thing is they're digging and kicking all day long anyway so i'm sorry maybe that's just me once again i enjoy that but socks underwear sorry i digress so we've been walking through this series and it just to briefly all recap what it is um john first john or john one sorry uh beautifully paints the picture of what uh, what the christmas season is really all about the christmas story is told in several other books in the gospel that's matthew uh luke uh, but John tells it in a very interesting way and paints the picture that we've, that we've been uh, following here. And it's uh, the John 1, or John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And this verse is talking about it when it says, And the word became flesh. The word is a direct reference to Jesus. Jesus was God sitting on the throne from eternity beginning, past, until the point the earth was created when he created it. And then he came here, he left heaven and became a man as a little baby and was born on Christmas time, right? And so this is Jesus, this is God in the flesh that is here with us. And so and this is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. Uh, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, many of you will give gifts and you'll receive gifts. And uh, I, I want to ask a question today. What is it that makes a quality gift to be received around Christmas time? What, 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 uh, what qualities of a gift received, rather? makes it one of those things that, that really impact you, that make a difference to you. Is I want you to share some of these qualities. Um, I've come up with a few, and I'm going to share them as well. But, but let, me, let me ask you. I want you to take just a moment. I want you to turn to the person on your right or to your left and tell them what you think is a good quality of a gift that you would receive that you would enjoy for Christmas. Go ahead and take that moment. Do it now. You've got 20 seconds. Thank you, sir. Having difficulty coming up with some of these? I heard functional. I hear that out there. That's a good idea, right? (laughs) Holler out a couple to me. Let's hear. What what do you think? Just something that took some time. Anything with Wi-Fi. Anybody else? Needs. Something that you made. What's that? Family. Anybody else? Any other ideas? The qualities of a gift that, that make it something you would enjoy. Well, 
Uh, I've got a, I've got a list, and some of you used that time just there to, to drop some hints to the person to the right or to the left of you as to what you wanted. I know who you guys are. That's all right. So, so it's shiny. It's very expensive. What are you after? A knife? I don't know. <clears throat> so we've all got different ideas, but here's my list. Uh, the, the very first thing I think that, uh, that there's a quality of a good Christmas present is that time and thought went into the gift. Somebody said that over here, I think. Ray or Sarah said that. So time and thought, right? So the gift is not haphazard, right? This is something that you thought about the person. And maybe you've thought about it for a long time, or maybe you saw it in the summertime, and you're like, you know what, that would be the perfect gift for so-and-so. This is not a gift that you decided to pick up as you're leaving the Circle K, right? You know, this is like, this is something you planned out, you knew where to get it, you researched it online, found that Amazon is always the cheapest, unless you get it eBay, unless you get it eBay. You can find it cheaper there, Craigslist for free. Those are the only other two options. But Amazon knew is, is the best way to go. So that's just, that was for free for all of you who didn't know that, okay? Uh, but so value is not necessarily even uh, in the price that was paid, but the time and the thought that went into the gift, right? It's the time and thought that goes into the gift, and perhaps it's something you knew that, that uh, this person needed or something that they've been wanting for a long time. That's one of the qualities, right, uh, that, that, that gets somebody. It's that time and thought. The next one is that it strikes a personal chord. This is a gift that would really mean something to the receiver, right? It's like, um, you know, knowing that you're a fan of something and getting you a gift, or maybe you're a, you're a fan of a certain football team and getting you a, a, a jersey or something that, that it strikes a personal chord. This is something you enjoy, right? Now, the opposite of this would be like getting, uh, just to demonstrate what I mean, it would be like getting an OSU fan a Michigan t-shirt, right? It's like, what am I supposed to do with this? I've already got plenty of toilet paper. Like, what am I, you know, what? Oh, Michigan fans out there, sorry that you're, you know. Sorry that you're a Michigan fan. Thank you. Somebody finished it for Was that you, Daniel? He said, sorry that you're a Michigan fan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <clears throat> but, you know, we all have those awkward moments, you know, where we have to, we win, we could win like an Academy Award for our acting when we're given gifts like that, right? You know, um, or the friend who gets you like a Starbucks gift card and you've never drank coffee, you know, like in your whole life. Yeah, give it to Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle will drink it. Um, but these don't strike a personal chord, but there are other times when you get a gift that just resonates with you. Like the perfect gift for Kyle is a Starbucks gift card. I'm going to tell you that I've given that to her over and over again. And I know so many people who've given that to her because she just loves it. It's like, yes, thank you. I will use this. It's something she enjoys Starbucks. So, uh, it makes you feel good inside to receive a gift when it strikes a chord, right? Uh, one of the other qualities is the gift enhances the relationship. Now, this is one of those gifts that you get maybe that are given to you like in memory of somebody or something, like an event that you've gone, like a memorabilia, or uh, maybe it's, it's a token of something from you know, somebody that, that's, that's a lost loved one, somebody in your life that you don't have around anymore, and they give you this gift because it reminded you and them of this person, and so that would serve to deepen the relationship. Or maybe it's a gag gift, right? Like you give a gag gift, and everybody uh, in the room has no idea what it means, but the giver and the receiver know exactly what it means, and you are the only ones laughing with tears in your eyes, and everybody's like, you're going to clue us in? And you get to tell a story, and there's a big story behind it. But this, these are the kind of gifts that would serve to deepen the relationship. And I think that that's a good quality of the gift. Uh, you know, maybe tears get shed because of its sensitivity or whatever it is. It just it serves to bring you guys closer, right? That's a good quality of a gift. Uh, here's another one. The gift requires a sacrifice. There was a price to be paid for the gift that was given to you, right? 
a sacrifice. Now, when we say sacrifice, that scares us a little bit because we think it may cost us blood or maybe it's going to cost us money. But really, it's, it's not necessarily about money. It's about the price you personally paid. It's like, what did you go through to get that? Like, you know, I searched for weeks for a specific thing or I went, you know, I drove two hours to pick you up a present or like, you know, the only place you can get this particular kind of, I don't know, donut is like two hours away and you drove two hours to get it for me. You went all the way to Amish country. Thank you. That meant so much to me. It's not that you paid a heavy price for that gift. It's, it's what you went through. There was a sacrifice, right? And, um, and so the, the price that, that is paid there, maybe it's side work. Maybe it's you gave up your lunch money every day. You know, guys, we do this. Sometimes you want to buy your wife a special gift and you don't want it to come out of the bank account all at once. She'll notice it, right? So we give up our lunch money. We take that $5 or $10, whatever your lunch money is every day, and you kind of sock it away. And then you go get something pretty, something shiny, something sparkly, not a knife. And you go, and you go get this for your spouse and you bring it to them, right? We, we've done this. We, it's a sacrifice. It took planning. It took that everyday sacrifice. It means so much more when you not only give the gift, but reveal what you went through to give that gift, right? The name of the gift is powerful. This is another quality. This is not a necessary quality, but when the name of the gift is powerful, we kind of feel excited about it, right? What's the name of a powerful gift? Like, uh, like uh, G.I. Joe. Like, that's a, that's a power name, right? It's no wonder they sold so many of these things. Now, would you have bought it if it was like G.I. Ralph or G.I. Philippe, right? Probably wouldn't have bought it. It doesn't sound as cool it's got to have a powerful name or uh could you imagine rubik's cube being named bob's contraption um or you know another cool name for a gift is like xbox one Ooh, that just sounds cool right it's just the name the name carries some power and you're like man if i want to be cool i gotta have one of those and so how many of you guys uh, are looking for an xbox one and would like an xbox one for christmas anybody out there like an xbox one Okay, you know, I saw how excited a few of you got. Let me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mislead you. We don't have any to give out. Uh, this is not, you guys are not a studio audience. I am not Oprah. We're in church, okay? I'm not, I'm not giving, well, you're in luck. You all get an Xbox One today. No, it's not like that. I didn't mean to get you excited. But, but you see, people do want these kind of gifts. They want them. They seek after them because it's got a cool name. And uh, this year, I will tell you that Forbes magazine has reported the most popular gifts are already in for this year, and these all have really cool names. The iPad Air, right? The Kindle Fire HDX. I don't even know what the HDX means, but it's got extra letters on it, so it must be better than the original Kindle Fire, right? I don't know. The Samsung Galaxy S4. Ooh. GPS units. Lego sets. Sound bars. North Face jackets. I don't know what makes them so much more special than a regular jacket you get, but a North Face is the most popular thing. Apple TV and Dr. Dre Beats headphones. Now, I have no idea what makes these headphones so much better than the ones you can pop in your ears for $5 that you need to pay $200 for them, but maybe with some education I would understand. I have no idea, but these headphones are so sought after because it's got the name Dr. Dre on it, and so... Uh, they, they are the top sellers of 2013. Now, some popular gifts of the last 60 years. Uh, what I'd like you to do is if you ever received one of these gifts, I want you to raise your hand for me. Just let me know that you're here. You received it and or you wanted one. Maybe you didn't get one. So if you got gypped, I don't want you to, you know, I don't want you to sit in here and be sad today. Just if you ever received it or wanted one of these gifts, raise your hand. Let me know. Let me see that you're here. Okay. Uh, in 2000, it was a Razor scooter. 
Razor scooter. If you ever wanted or had one of those. <laughs> Yo, you gave one? Yes, that'll count. Your hands up. There you go. All right. Okay, so now some of you are looking like, what's a razor scooter? You're imagining a guy on a scooter shaving, and that's not what it is at all. They were just these cool, compact scooters. And uh, so that was in 2000. In 1986, the most popular gift at Christmas time was Pictionary. Raise your hand if you had a Pictionary or wanted a Pictionary. I played Pictionary this past weekend. All right. Uh, how about uh, in 1982, Rubik's Cube was the most popular gift. Anybody ever get one of those? Man, it just takes forever, doesn't it? Like to peel all the stickers off and put them back where they belong. <laughs> forever. It's like, why would you give anybody this gift? It's horrible. <laughs> in, in 1973, it was electric football. Did anybody ever have one of these? I know we're going back a little ways. But I, I had one of these. If you don't know what electric football is, now electric football is like this tin or this aluminum metal surface that is connected to vibrators underneath there. Now, the, the, the thing, when you turn it on, the little football men, you line them up on the field, and you had this little felt football that you shoved underneath one of the guy's arms, and, and you lined up all your guys, and when you turned them on, the vibration was supposed to create a play, right? It would take way longer to set up the play on the field than it would to actually play it, and it more seemed like, you know, it was like a hoedown. These guys would always get locked in their arms and just kind of spin in circles, <laughs> right? And so, yes, I just spun in my chair. <laughs> yes, I did. That's, but that's what these guys would do. And so, you know, but and, and my lights would flicker when you turned them on, you know, because it just drawn, like there's just a surge. Am I, am I the only one? Everybody, you know? Oh, there's a few. There's a few. All right. Uh, okay, so the next one. Um, this is 1970, a Nerf ball. I think we've all had a Nerf ball or played with one or wanted one at some point in time. Uh, 1965, this is Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You know what I'm saying? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Like that, you know? That's the Rock'em Sock'em Robots. All right, uh, and 1963, all right, here it goes. Now, I would say this is for the ladies, but i got to be honest. I wanted one of these just as bad as the ladies, and you all know what I'm going to say, an easy-bake oven. I mean, who doesn't want to make brownies anytime they want to? You know what I'm saying? For reals. Brownies, now. I'm done. Don't have to ask mom. Just pop it in my oven. i got a cake. I'm good. And it's a serving for one. But I would need two. Thank you. All right. I can tell I've lost you guys for the rest of the sermon, and that's okay. That's all right. The last one, this is, this is from 1952. The most popular gift is a Mr. Potato Head. And yes, he's been around for so long. And some of these gifts, you recognize the names, and they're still in the stores today, right? But they are not the most popular they're, they're even, they're, they're, some of them are more expensive. Some of them are cheaper. I found these lists online. I could not believe how much of them, how many of them the prices have went down. And then on some of them, like, really? The price went up that much on these things? Anyway, uh, but they've been around for a really, really long time. But they kind of seem to get replaced every year by something new or something cooler, right? And, um, and, and kids, when I, when, now they're, they're back on the market, especially, I don't know, it seems like in the last five years, all the, there's a, if you go to Kroger right now, this is for all my gamers out there, you can get a Sega Genesis for $29 in Kroger's, right? I, seriously, a game, a Sega Genesis game console, my, par- my, my parents, my dad's here, you remember how much that was, right? Or you have no, no, he's, he's got no memory of that. No, I no. Never, yeah, yeah, he never saw me again after I got a Sega Genesis. But all these games come back out, and now we show our kids. We show our kids Rock'em Sock'em Robots and how we spent hours playing these things. And we, and we show them the electric football, and they're like, can I play my iPad now? 
<laughs> like they're like they were so done with them. But it's like we we had fun with these for hours. What is wrong with you guys? You know, this is great entertainment. And they're like, no, all right. So anyway, but, so they but these gifts always get replaced year after year. Something cool or something better comes out, and uh, and so it, it, it's great. But has there ever been a gift that has? Uh, and, and even though some of these gifts will meet like the five criteria that we talked about, right? Um, th- these gifts will will meet them. Um, sometimes they don't tick them off in every single column. Um, it's just it, but they always get discarded. They always get thrown out. They always become obsolete. That's just what happens to them, right? Always does. And the question is, has there ever been a gift that hasn't become outdated or hasn't become obsolete? And I would say that if you were to to ask the question. I'd say, yes, there was. There was a gift that was given. But you have to go all the way back to the very first Christmas when it was given because it was Jesus. Because it was Jesus. And he has never and never will become outdated or obsolete. The gift that was given in him is still just as relevant today as it was then. And so in Luke 2, 10 through 11, we see the verse says, do not, by the way, if you need a Bible and you're here today and you need a Bible, we will give you a Bible. We have Bibles in the back of the room. Just put your hand up like this. This is a gift for you to take. Please take it home. Enjoy it. Write your name in it. Write notes in it, whatever you'd like to do. But just put your hands up and our service host will get you one. All right. So in Luke 2, 10 through 11, it says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So Jesus was that gift that was given that not only ticks all of those, those, those qualities that we talked about, but he also is just never obsolete. He will never fade. That Jesus will always be. And so let's look at each one of those qualities. Did Jesus meet the time and thought that went into the gift? Yes. Yes, he did. The Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world was laid, God had planned for his son, Jesus, to come to this world because we would need a savior. He knew that he would create us. He knew that he would walk in the garden with us, that we as men would experience the glory and the beauty that is God. And we would turn our backs on him and we would chase after sin instead. And so he knew that in advance, and so a plan was put into place. In the Old Testament alone, there were over 300 prophecies of the coming of Jesus. God had a plan in place ever since sin entered into this world. The whole creation, it says in the Bible, that has been groaning and looking forward to a Savior. There's always been a plan in place. Over in the New Testament, it says in Galatians 4, 4 through 5, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now I have a question for you. Have any, has anybody here, just by a show of hands, have you ever participated in, been adopted, or been just somebody just stood on the sidelines of a family member adopting somebody. It hands up if you've ever been a part of an adoption process at all. Number of hands across the room. You know that the adoption process is not something that you walk in and just do in five minutes. It is something that takes planning. It is something that takes time to execute. It is something that you are going to have to wait some time for. And God is the same. He had a plan from the beginning to make us all sons and daughters of his own. And he executed that plan from the moment he created us. From the moment he created us, it was done to make us sons and daughters. And so that plan goes into place and, and, and Jesus was that gift 
that, uh, that, that took time and thought. Does Jesus strike a personal chord with us? Well, yeah. Is he personal? Does he understand your needs? Well, yes. Jesus was, uh, became a man. He, before, you would say, well, he was God that sat on his throne. He doesn't understand what it's like to be hungry. He doesn't understand what it's like to be poor. He doesn't understand what it's like to fall down and bruise your knee or to have a broken relationship. He doesn't understand what it's like to be tempted. He doesn't understand. But Jesus became a man, and he dwelt in an earth suit. He knows exactly what it's like. He's a personal a personal gift. He is somebody that, that understands your needs. And Jesus came into, into a, a relationship with us, not for us to become a part of a religion. And that's why the prophet Isaiah said some 700 years before Christ's birth, spoke of the coming of Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. They're, the reason that so many names are given to Jesus is because he answers every one of our very personal needs. It's a very personal thing to need a wonderful counselor. How many of you need counsel from time to time? He's giving you counsel. How many of you need a mighty God, a God with power that goes beyond your own, goes beyond the society, goes beyond what we can offer, even in our charitable organizations? How many of you can use a mighty God who answers prayer? How many of you need an everlasting father? I know I do. I know I do. My dad's here today, but he may not be here tomorrow. I need an everlasting father. Sorry, dad. I didn't mean to take it there. <laughs> but it's the truth. I need an everlasting father. And then a prince of peace. I don't know about you guys, but during the hustle and bustle of Christmas, especially, I could use peace. I could use peace. And we need that peace all year round. And that peace comes only from the gift that is in Jesus. All right. Jesus meets every one of our needs. And no wonder he strikes such a personal chord with us. The gift of Jesus enhances our relationship, right? The only way that we could truly know the love of God and how much he desires to be in a relationship with us would be for God to become one of us. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And it's through Jesus that we can have an ongoing relationship with our Father, with God. In the beginning, before the fall of man, God walked with us, and once sin entered in, we messed all that up, right? We messed all of that up. But Jesus came, and he restored our relationship with God. The forgiveness of sin in our life because of the sacrifice that Jesus would make, not just in coming as a baby, but when he grew up, when he died on the cross, our relationship with God was able to be restored to what it once was in the garden. We can walk with him. He gives us his spirit and he dwells inside of us. His love enhances not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with others. Right? Love God, love people. That's what we're supposed to do. The gift of Jesus required a sacrifice. Was there a sacrifice? Well, just think about that for a minute. Think about it for a minute. Just think, imagine if you were Jesus sitting on a throne. Imagine if you were the infinite and you were now confined to space. Imagine if you were eternal and you're now confined by time. Or if you were omnipotent, which means all-powerful, and you now walk in the weakness and the flesh of a man. Or if you've been in charge of the entire universe but were now submissive to a man and woman named Mary and Joseph and the authorities in this earth. 
What if you owned everything but were born into humble beginnings and you walked around and relied on the charity of people as you preached and did your ministry on this earth? That took a sacrifice. He gave up so much to be here. So the gift of Jesus has a sacrifice in it. Listen to what's written in 1 John 4, 9 through 10. It says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent, sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. The last thing, the name of Jesus is powerful. Now, this is just a bonus to the whole gift that we have in Jesus. Because not only is he all these things, but he's got a powerful name. The name of Jesus, is it, it literally means Savior, right? So, you know, people agonize over the names of their children. They, uh, they give them names to honor family members, maybe favorite literary uh, characters or from movies or from stories or heroes in their life. You know, we name our kids. We choose our names maybe based on popularity of what's popular that year. We get a baby book. We're not really even sure how to do it. And we pick a name, right? And sometimes I see kids' names and I just wonder, what were the parents thinking? What were you thinking? You know, I'm not making fun of any names. I think you should name your children the way you want to name your children. I'm not making fun. I'm just wondering, had you thought about it all the way through? Because the, the awesome name you're getting ready to give them is going to go with them into adulthood. And did you think about the fact that they might be in high school and get beat up for their name? Or, you know, just, just did you think about it all the way through? Here's some, here's some silly names. These are names that I've actually encountered, some that I've pulled off the Internet. And, uh, and, and so this, this, was, this one is actually from my, my boy's kindergarten classroom. Um, this young man, uh, his name was Playon Infamous Pimpin Patrick. That was his legal name. That was his legal name. Uh, yep, yep. There was a young lady who had a child in, uh, in the hospital, and she couldn't come up with the name. And when you can't come up with the name, the, the hospital will put Smith, you know, your, your last name or whatever it may be, and then if it's a boy, male, and if it's a girl, female, and uh, they said, ma'am, Mrs. Smith, we need you to go ahead and name your child. You're, you're being discharged from the hospital. We have to fill out the birth certificate. She said, well, I like the name you gave her, Famali. I think that's a great name. Famali. Famali. All right. Uh, another name that I've I, – and, and again, nothing wrong with it. It just – these things just – they go. you go, oh, man. Or uh, there was a guy named Ivan Oder. Ivan Oder. Now, when you say it slowly, when you say it slowly, it sounds more like a confession than a name, right? Ivan Oder. Oh, well, thank you for telling me. I appreciate that. I'm Aaron. It's nice to, uh, it's nice to meet you. Do you mind sitting over there? Thank you very much. So these are just some, some silly names. And so naming a child is extremely important, right? It's extremely important that you, you pick out a good name for your kid, a strong name. And whatever you name your kid, even if it's silly, it may be representative of your of your family and the sense of humor you have, and that's a beautiful thing. So please don't think I'm making fun of them. I'm just, for me personally, it's like, well, what were you thinking? But, but naming a child is, is difficult. And Mary and Joseph, these guys got off the hook. Mary and Joseph were off the hook when it came to naming Jesus and giving him a powerful name that would resonate forever uh, because God told them. 
God told him exactly what, what they would name him. Matthew 1, 21, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. Jesus, a powerful name that means Savior. His name even forces you to make a decision about him, right? You can accept him, you can reject him, but you cannot ignore him. With a name like Jesus, Savior, Messiah, this is who he is. You can't ignore him. You have to make a decision about him based on his name alone. And I'm thankful to be part of of a faith that requires that of us, right? And so in this season of giving, we are reminded of the opening words of John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. You can give without loving, folks, but you cannot love without giving. And God so loved you and me that he gave. He gave Jesus. He gave his son for us. And God gave us a gift that set it apart from every other gift in the world because the gift he gave never grows old. Unlike all those gifts, the silly gifts we talked about with the Rubik's Cubes and all those things, those things get get obsolete. They get thrown away. They get put to the side. But Jesus is not one of those gifts. Jesus never needs an upgrade that may make some of his features unavailable for a short amount of time. Jesus never needs that. He's never outdated. He's always current. He's always available. And that's what makes Jesus the best gift ever, right? Jesus is a timeless gift. Jesus is God's eternal gift. And what he offers is eternal as well. So what could be greater than the gift of this baby that would grow up? That would grow up and die on a cross? Because Jesus didn't stay in his manger. I know a lot of us want to think of Jesus, and even maybe even pray to the baby Jesus. Dear Lord, baby Jesus. We want to pray to the baby Jesus because the baby Jesus is non-threatening. He's cute. He's just a baby. But the baby Jesus, follow the story. Jesus grows up and he dies on a cross. And because he didn't stay in a manger and he died there on that cross, that's why we don't wear mangers around our necks, right? We wear, we wear crosses. We wear, we wear crosses. And, <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to say something, one thing that may stir the pot a bit. But there's no point in celebrating Christmas, the arrival of the Christ, if you don't accept and celebrate the gift of his salvation. There's no point. There's no point. Just celebrating him being here. Because he didn't come just to come. He came to die, to be brutally murdered for our sins. For us to enter into this adoption process as sons and daughters of God. Jesus did that. There's a man by the name of Philip Philip Brooks, and you may not know who he is at first, but let me tell you a little bit about him. He was a 19th century preacher, Harvard graduate, and uh, and he wrote a book. His first book sold out 200,000 copies very quickly. Um, He pastored during the Civil War in Philadelphia. And so Philip Brooks um, was asked, because he was alive and pastoring during the the Civil War and all that went along with that, the families that were torn apart, the cities that were destroyed. It's a difficult time to be a pastor. And also during this time, Abraham Lincoln gets assassinated. And he, while he was, Philip Brooks was not Abraham Lincoln's pastor, they asked him to do the funeral and to preach it. And so he did. And dealing with all the difficulties of why such a great leader would be murdered in such a way, Philip found it very difficult to continue to minister to his church and so he asked his church for some time off he said can i can i step away for a sabbatical i've got some money set aside i'd like to take some time off and so they gave him that and he went to jerusalem 
and he wound up spending Christmas in Jerusalem. And while he was there, he was in the city, and he said the hustle and bustle of the city was just too much for him. And so he borrowed a horse from a friend, and he rode on out to Bethlehem, which is just a small little city. You can look from the left to the right and see all of Bethlehem in a very short look. You can see where the shepherds were probably tending their flocks when Jesus originally came in Bethlehem. And so he went, and he said that looking at the, all of that all together, just seeing it, was so breathtaking for him that it rejuvenated him, it recharged him. He just had a moment, an amazing moment with God. And so he came back home and rejuvenated and ministered in his church again. But it was three years later as, as Philip was remembering his trip to Israel that he began to kick around a little poem in his head. And he, he wrote it all out and he took it to his organist at his church. He said, do you think you could put some music to this? And it was that next Sunday that he sang for the very first time, O Little Town of Bethlehem. That's who Philip Brooks is. He wrote that song. And if you go to Bethlehem, there's a church there that has been built over the supposed place of Christ's birth. And, uh, and, and it's the Church of the Nativity. That's what it's called. So if you ever go, you want to see this. And uh, there's a wall on the outside uh, that has an entryway to get underneath the church. And when you go underneath there, it's very narrow. The doorway is low, so you can't walk in standing straight up. You have to crouch down to even get in. And when you get in, there's a very narrow area, and there's silver stars on the ground, I'm told, and, and a message in Latin that says, here's where the Christ was born. And, uh, and, and so when you go in, you've got to bow down. And I just think this is an appropriate way to approach Jesus. I think it's beautiful that here where the manger was, in order to even get to it, you have to crouch low. We have to approach with humility the place where Jesus was born. Not just that, but the sim symbolism there being to approach Jesus with humility, period. To bow ourselves low to him. And I think it's beautiful. And there, there are stirring words in the song of, O little town of Bethlehem. It says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. And that's the invitation of Christmas. It's to make room in your heart and accept the gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ gives. The Christmas he offers to you, this Christmas, he offers to you the best gift that you could ever receive. Period. Now, let me ask a question. What good is it if Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but we don't allow him to be born in our hearts? Let's pray. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we thank you so much for this gift that you gave us in Jesus. We thank you that he is personal. We thank you for all the qualities that he contains in him, that he strikes a, a personal chord with us, that, that it was a gift that we needed and still need today. Father, we pray that you would open up our hearts to receive that gift Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just be among us and open our hearts. Give us faith to believe in the gift that is Jesus. Give us faith to confess him as Lord, to confess our own sins, to accept what he did, not just that he came to this earth, but that he came and died for us. 
that the grown-up Jesus, what he accomplished in his death was even greater than his arrival. But we celebrate the gift of that arrival this week. And we thank you for that gift. We thank you for what he continued to do on the cross. Because what he did there forgives us of our sins, restores our relationships with you and with others. Grants us entry into heaven. Causes us to be your children. And God, we could do nothing to earn that gift. We could do nothing to receive that gift except just say thanks. So Lord, we say thanks today. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Right now, all across this room, there are those of you that are here today, maybe you haven't accepted the gift of Jesus yet, but you're like, Aaron, I want to. I just, I don't know how. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm able to live like I think a Christian is supposed to live. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm worthy. You're not. This is not about your worth. This is about his love for you. And if that's you today, if you're here today and you have never crossed that line of faith saying, Jesus, be born in my heart. Save me. If that's you and you're here today, would you raise your hand just let us know you're here? I want to pray for you. I don't, I don't want to embarrass you. We're going to take a few minutes and sit and worship today. The band's going to play one last song to usher us out today. And as they play, I just want you to be thinking about those of you that are Christians in this room. This is the time of year for us to celebrate with your own hearts and maybe even with your own mouths as they sing. Tell him thank you for the gift that he gave this Christmas. Tell him thank you for the gift that he gave with his life because that's all we can do. We're not worthy enough to receive this gift. We've done nothing to earn it. And we can't. So tell him thank you for this gift. And the band's going to sing with us now, and I encourage you to stand with us and sing. And if you need prayer for anything, as we sing this final song together, there are people with badges that look just like this. They're going to be standing in the back of the room. They'll pray with you. There's no reason to have a need in your life go unmet because Jesus is all-powerful. We'll pray with you and agree with you that God can be the answer to that need. Amen. Let's stand and sing.